Hello and welcome to this episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. If you want to contact the show, uh, it would be great to hear from you because we've had some feedback this week. We have. It's been really nice actually to get some actual feedback from. Which means we normally we'd be making them up before a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we have no idea how many listeners we have. We've just been making this stuff up and hoping for the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dear me. Yeah, go on, go on. So you can start, Mike. No, okay. So, so um, we got a really lovely message from Faisal in Abu Dhabi. I can't believe it. it always surprises me how wide this podcast reaches. We we traverse the world. We do. We are world globe trotters. Yeah, we're definitely yeah. trotters. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Faisal dropped us a lovely nine on LinkedIn and said he enjoyed listening to the podcast on his way into into the office every day, which was great. And uh, he actually gave us some feedback on future topics. So yeah, yeah. we well, didn't give us feedback. He, he said, I'd like to hear more on this I'd stuff. I'd like to hear more so, on collaboration. So, funnily enough, uh, it's going to happen. So, Faisal, thank you very much. Uh, we, we have it lined up. We spoke to marketing and they were very excited. So, you're going to see lots of uh, podcasts on collaboration coming out in the year yeah which is fantastic so great feedback year. thank you very much for for dropping yeah, us a line there and there's more feedback wasn't there justin yeah, yeah yeah so we've had some we've had some good ones as well so i was up in uh so i had a, a couple of shout outs from oh we've got to give a shout out to james james mm-hmm. goddard who uh i bumped into in the office who listens cool. so it's really great uh but i got a shout out to richard hayes who's part of our i think oh come on i can't remember it really works now in oh, Cisco, I can't remember the now. I can't remember the official name. Maybe I can edit this bit out. Yeah, but he's um, he's really keen because they do loads of video demonstrations and video recordings in Cisco and use okay. green screens and fancy stuff and and I cool. can't and demonstrations and I'm gonna hopefully not get in trouble. But maybe <laughs> I'll edit in what he does. <laughs> Insert name here. <laughs> Insert name here. Um, so yeah, Richard Hayes, he's great because he, he listens to us when he, he goes running and he also listens on, on the uh, when he's in the car as well. So that's great. That's it's, it's great. We are entertainment whilst yeah, yeah, running. Yeah. And then the best thing that happened to me was uh, I was doing a, we did a road show. So uh, we, it's like the Radio 1 Roadshow for all those people who, who, might, who are old enough can remember the Radio 1 Roadshow. <laughs> <laughs> it used to come to Cleethorpes where, near where I grew up. In Cleethorpe, it, used to, it came to Puth Call. I remember going to see it in Puth Call, which is really? like any seaside towns were always up for it, <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it, that's it. Seaside towns would always get uh, the Radio and Roadshow. Other right. radio stations are available, but of listen course. to this one because yeah, we're the best. Because we're the best. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we went around and we did eight places. We did London. We went into the city. We went to Birmingham. We went to Swansea. We went to Rhythin in North Wales. Hello to all the Rhythin massive. Uh, and we went up to Newcastle. And I was in Newcastle and I was presenting and a guy comes up after it and he goes, and that was Barry. Barry up in Newcastle uh, works for the NHS. And he said, uh, do you do the podcast? And he said, I thought I recognised your, your voice. I was like, I, I was made up. Awesome. I started jumping up and down a That's bit. Great. That's great. Really I good. had a bit of a fan moment about myself. <laughs> 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 he didn't want a, an autograph or anything then? No. No, okay. But he's, he got a shout out. That's brilliant. So that's go. brilliant. So I hope he listens. And, and and that's the thing. We'd like to ask all our, our fervent listeners mm. to, uh, if you'd like to like the podcast, if you like it, to click on like on um, on SoundCloud. Or if you want to give us a review on iTunes, that would be awesome. Yeah. Because the more likes we get, the more chance of somebody else might be listening. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't believe how much it makes our day just to get, uh, you know, an email or a tweet or a, or a LinkedIn message or something just to say... Well, obviously, we only, we only like the good reviews, you know. If, we haven't if it's had a any bad review, ones. We, don't want to we hear haven't it. had any bad ones yet. We haven't, no. 
Oh, but if you that, want, that's but, not yeah, an invite. We're, we're open. We're open for criticism. We are very open. We're to open. Criticism. We're, we're, all we're used to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So I know we've uh, we've cracked on today. So um, and the other thing, this and so what we're going to do for this podcast is uh, we're going to just do a bit of a review for the year. Um, we also had uh, a bit of a moment where Mark went off on his own. He went rogue. I, I went solo. He went solo, and you end up doing an interview with uh, one of our security guys. Funnily enough. Okay, <laughs> I actually edited out the snore I did in the Stealth Watch podcast where you just gone on about something and I just went, oh, do you know, this is boring because you're talking about security again and, and, and snore. The whole podcast was talking about security. What was it? Is it down to a couple of minutes now? It, it, yeah, yeah. So it was a one minute podcast. It was made in the intro. Um, yeah, so Mike's... Uh, Mike? Where'd I get Mike from? Mike? I don't know, Mark. I'll edit that bit out. Um, so you did an interview with... Who was it? I don't know. I've forgotten his name. <laughs> an idiot. <laughs> Right, so Mark did an interview that he can't remember, but we're going to bang that in there as well into the podcast later on. So we'll introduce that. So uh, the other thing that happened, so what we're going to do is have a quick chat about the podcast that we enjoyed this year. So if you haven't listened, uh, we'd love you to go back and have a listen to some of our favorite podcasts. Our back catalogue is, is quite sizable now, isn't it? We've got loads now, haven't we? We have got loads. Well, I think there's easily well over 20 for this year across yeah, a whole range of hit, subjects. We've hit the 27,000 mark now. Of, of, of total downloads. Total downloads. That's a big number. That's a big number, but when you look at it, we get about 500 on average per podcast. That's still, that's still pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. It's better than five. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's getting all right because when I put the last podcast, the Stealth Watch up last night, it, we had 124 within like moments. Yeah, so that's everybody's so that's downloaded onto their iPhones. Automatically downloaded. Well, that's good. And then hopefully they'll listen to them. I know, yeah. <laughs> because if you don't listen to them, your pod, the iPhone-y one stops downloading. Ah, does it? Yeah, if you don't listen, because I, I, I've been very poorly with other podcasts that I yeah. listen to. Anyway, we're, we're going off. Oh, we're going off on a tangent. Um, That's a surprise. So we're going to just talk about a couple of the podcasts that were favourite to us. Then mm. we'll uh, put in the interview that uh, Mark did, and he, if he remembers who he with was David with. Lapierre. David Lapierre. Yeah. So, um, and then Mark wants to have a chat about some more boring security stuff that stuck out this year. Uh, well, you did give me, you know, you, you said... Do, do you are turning prep, into so, such you know, a one-trick pony. You guess what? S- the, the prep is around security. Well, it's the things that stand out for me from 2017. So well, the big, I'll call out the big thing that yeah, stuck out for me. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's a couple of things that stuck out for me is I got you replaced. <laughs> I got you replaced by Joachim Mason. Hey, Excellent. Joachim. Hope you're listening. Is, is he formally replaced or is he, you know? No, no, you're, you're not. Yeah, he's formally a co-host now. He's formally a co-host. So you've got two co-hosts. Well, yeah, but I do ones when you're not available because you've got another job now. I, I have. I, I am. Which you can't talk things, about. Which I can't talk about. Not at the moment anyway. But you will talk about it. Hopefully, I, I hopefully will talk about it when I get because it is interesting it is quite a, a funky job it is it is it's not an actual I'm not leaving or anything you're not it's left just, Cisco I'm do, but I'm you're doing you're doing, doing some stuff of... outside of Cisco but something funky something kind of interesting yeah well, well I think it's interesting yeah it is it's funky so yeah. hopefully we'll get that on the podcast we will yeah no day. we will so, um, so jingle bells everybody so let's go through the top thing, the top podcast that stuck out for us this year. So, do you want to start? Or shall I start? Uh, you can start. Uh, you pick your favourite. I, I tell you what, my, my favourites this year uh, are a few, but the mm. first one we did, and these are more in in order of of on the list of podcasts, not of popularity. But I, the, the, yeah. the Meraki one was very funny. Yes, our, our special friend <laughs> Brett Martin, Brett. who I know, I know he is a fan of the show. I don't think he listens. But uh, the Meraki one was very, very funny, and I used that. And when people go, what do you do in the podcast? And I said, I'll send them the link to that yeah. one. Say, have a listen to this one. This, this is, is quite one. a funny one. Yeah. So that was very good. Um, and they, they've, they've done some new stuff. I mean, because they, they do um, 
They do cameras now. They yeah, do the telephones cam- and yeah, cameras. Cameras and telephones, which are both. I've I've looked at the cameras for home actually. Because funnily uh, enough, one of the uh, Goffmeister, as yeah. I like to call him, yeah. in, in our team, he uh, he got the cameras for his house as well. Has he? Yeah, yeah. and they're not just a, ca- a home system. They are for like enterprise big things. Yeah. You can do anything with them. Yeah, just yeah, to like yeah. stick that out there, just in case they shower. Yeah, us. no, no, no. They are proper proper enterprise class cameras, but but we're just sad and we we like to put cameras on the sides of our houses. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I haven't done that yet. No, no. I'm 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 very tempted. I'm very tempted. Oh, there you go. You're yeah, tempted you go. by cameras. So, so tempted by cameras. I'm not quite sure what that says about me. Does that mean you're in a dodgy area? Uh no, not at all. Just just interested. Interested is who's coming into my house, who's coming into my. But garden. then I, I, that was the other thing that I did this year. Since mm. that uh, Meraki podcast, mm. I put in a MX. Oh, okay. Which is their router the, security, the security appliance. appliance. Yeah, yeah. They would say yeah. security appliance. I yeah. think I still think it's a router though. Um, <laughs> it has a one interface. It does routing. <laughs> it does routing. It does. A, it's yeah, a router. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a router. It smells like a router. It must but be also, a router. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it also does security. So yeah. apologies. So I put the MX in, and that was awesome. Yeah. Because. It was, um, I was very, very surprised how, not surprised, uh, it was so easy to put policies in place. Yeah. Because though it was just doing connectivity, I've then got policies now to stop my kids going on the internet after 10 o'clock at night. Nice. I have proper restricted stuff down. And my daughter, Kira, love you to bits, but when she was a, very, a bit of a naughty girl, mm-hmm. I just turned off all internet to her older devices. Awesome. So I bet you were popular. Well, well, she went. I don't care. I just use my four G. I was going to say. I just use a four G. I just use my four G. But she did. Then she said, "Oh, oh, Doug, can you turn the internet back on? Because I've used all my data up." <laughs> I'm like, well, you should have been naughty, should you? <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. So the Meraki stuff has been really. Yeah, it's been, it was a really fun podcast today. Yeah, it was. Um, go we back and have a listen. It we was, need to get Brett back on. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Let's not overcommit. Let's overcommit to stuff. But yeah, he was uh, he was brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then the other other one in in order mm. of what's written on the whiteboard was the the DC one, the data center one that I did with Yochum, which yeah, first introduced him because now he's now my boss. So, but at the time he wasn't; he was just head of data center. Mm. Now he is now my manager. Yeah. So I have to be very nice to him. Right. Um, but a big shout out to Joachim and looking forward to him to come along to some other more podcasts next year. What did the DC one cover? Because we, we covered everything. I think we took everything from multi cloud to what a data center is to hyper-converged through to lots of stuff. Wow. Crikey. It was, a, it was a lot. But the biggest thing I learned from that is that Lille Friday, I think that's it. I can't remember. He taught me, he said, I had a bit of a thick head that day because I was out the night before and he said, and it was a Thursday and he said, well, Thursday is in, in day Denmark is called Little Friday. Uh-huh. So I don't know what Friday is in Danish, but it was, Friday. it was Little Friday. <laughs> so Little Friday is Thursday in okay. Danish. Well, there you go. I learned that, but he, he, he tried to say it in Danish, and I can't remember now. But I had a, I had a little Friday. And if we have any Danish uh, listeners <laughs> out there who we, want to... We, uh, we, we, didn't have, we don't have many Danish listeners, do we? Who want to correct Justin's pronunciation? Denmark, 27. 27 listeners in Denmark. 27 listeners in Denmark. That's a relatively small country by comparison, though. Oh, I'm sure get, there's more don't, than... Don't get on to size now. We're getting <laughs> trouble. But we're, we're... So number one is UK. Then number two is US. Ireland. Netherlands. Germany, Germany. Guntag, V Gates. Yeah. Uh, I can. I, I know you're used. You I should, many a year in Germany. I did live in Germany for a little bit. Yeah. I, 
I have some German relations, i.e. my mum. So <laughs> but I don't want to say anything German because I get in trouble. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I'm really gone off piece. Yeah. I was going to say, where have, we, where have we got to it? This might be know. edited out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was good fun having Joachim uh, uh, on and he's kind of come back on again in the new year as well because cool. we're going to do some deep dives into hyperflex and up dynamics. So that's all, that's that all good. That sounds interesting. Um, that you, was really good fun. And you really like the... See, you, you have to admit, you like the security ones as well, didn't you? Do I have to say it? You do, yeah. The security one was awesome. Yeah. Those guys from the incident response team yeah. are absolutely brilliant. They have got They're the best war stories I have ever, ever, ever heard. They do. They do. How they get into buildings. Yeah. And it's like, it was like James Bond. They'll sort of have a, a, a fake security pass and then they'll hack onto the system from outside and get you a security pass made up. And they go in and it's like, uh, yeah, and they get in and they, can, and they just sit there and just sit there and do stuff. Do stuff on your network yeah. and yeah. break into your data. So they don't even have to break in because they go in, they hack in, they get into your, into your office, into, into your, your office uh, building management system. Yeah. And you think about that. And, you, and at times we've had conversations with customers and they go, well, we have a, a IT network and then we have a building management building network management. and you go well what's stopping that are you doing all that stuff you do on the on your IT network do you do all the security stuff over there probably yeah. uh, yeah, not because no, no. they just say it they hacked onto the onto the building management system yep. and then they'll get in they'll get uh, badges uh, uh, printed off passes yep. arranged that's it authorised get in the building and just sit there and go I'm going to hack the majibas out that's here. it yeah and all of that all of that tech that you put on the perimeter of your network is now not really very effective it was absolutely it enlightening. And then you did the War Games one. Because they, they talked yeah. about uh, Petra and not Petra. They and, did, yeah. And yeah. they dived in the, how they sort of ease, they, they get parachuted in. Not yeah. literally, no. but they get parachuted in. But, when, but in your imagination, they do. They do. You, you want them coming through the glass roof ceiling <laughs> on, on a rope. With a ski mask. Abseiling down <laughs> and a ski mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? You know, okay. You know. Well, they've been proper like, yeah, can't recognise yeah, me. Yeah. Just see my eyes. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. I'm here to... Fix your computer. <laughs> IT, have you rebooted it? <laughs> We're going off peace. Oh, but go and have a, have a listen to that because it's brilliant. And then the way they do the wargaming, and I, they call it Red V Blue, yeah, but yeah, it yeah. is wargaming, isn't it? How they go in and, and will run, yeah. run cyber Tra- wargames. Training, training simulations, in effect, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. train your incident response and, and uh, you know see where those weaknesses are and, and see if you spot them. Yeah, and, it was, and it's great because it, it's, it's what's needed. Uh, you know, In all seriousness, it's one of those areas. Don't that get don't, serious now. Well, we can be serious, but it's one of those things that we've got to do better at because you know we kind of set this stuff up and don't know how good or bad it is so yeah. that, that's what this sort of stuff's for and it's it's really cool yeah, it is it is it really is cool there were, there were a couple of good fun podcasts too and, uh, and to Gareth and Richard Richard yeah, yeah Richard Dean yeah, yeah they were both on uh, a big shout out to Gareth who has the most yeah. Welsh's name but the most northeast accent Gareth Evans yeah <laughs> Gareth Evans from Hartlepool <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was brilliant so I, I go and, if you haven't listened to that one go and yeah. have a listen yeah. um the other big things that stuck out this year as well was uh, I'll let you carry on talking for a bit because we can do a bit of security now. Well, we're going to talk about WannaCry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, it, it's become, I mean, just, I mean, both from the point of view of the podcast, but also just, you know, the things that we've seen this year as a, as a general theme, you know, ransomware has kind of been the pain in everybody's, well, everything, every thorn in everybody's side. And uh, I think it will continue to be so because it's effective and it works. Um and, and WannaCry was, you know, unfortunately hit us pretty hard in the UK with the NHS, but it wasn't that sophisticated. That that was the real tragedy of it. You know, the bad guys didn't have to work that hard for it. And that's that's the worst. But yeah, like yeah. you said, it's that that's the tragedy, isn't it? Because it, it is 
You yeah. mean it was patching? Yeah, patch was available three months before. So I think patch Ooh. was around April or so, and it was dropped in yeah, dropped in May. Oh no, so maybe not as not as not as long as that. But it was it was there was a patch ready available. To but drop. then there's other things they could have done that would have picked it up as well. Of course. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's defense in depth, isn't it? It's not just patching. Patching is one of the things. Patching is one of the things, but you're never going to be perfect on patching. Because it is a hard thing to do, though, isn't Ooh, it? You mean, it thing, is yeah. massive. You mean, you think about if you've got an NHS trust, got how many machines, yep. uh, workstations, things like that, that yep. all have to be patched. Yep, absolutely. It's hard, and some, it? and some that you just can't take out of action, some you can't patch because they're medical devices. Uh, you know, there's, so you've there's got a lot of issues. So yeah. don't rely on patching being the fix to... But it's one of the things, of but yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. so ransomware as a general thing has just been around, and, and it's going to continue to evolve, and we're going to continue to see people doing it. What's interesting about WannaCry is now how how certain that that we are that it's attributable to north korea um so Is there it? was yeah so there was some so that's a a, a state what they call well it state state sponsored state, state sponsored effectively attack, yes. yeah so oh that God. that's certainly what's generally going around i mean there were suspicions of it quite early on but i think yeah I think but the uk it, government it, oh, actually came out and said yeah we believe it was north korea pretty much you sure yeah you're on podcast now. i know you're bandying stuff about now and i'm going yeah. oh god the legal yeah. team's gonna have a field day with us yeah no 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 that that was pretty much what's what's been stated is these so that's all public knowledge then? yeah it's all public knowledge yeah okay so it's it's kind of interesting that that sort of thing is now happening at at that sort of state level. And and the funny thing, though, we did... Not the funny thing, but we talked about this over a year ago. Well, ransomware, yeah. Ransomware's not new tw- for 2017. But the it's same principles of ransomware were the same principles of WannaCry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same principles. And it will continue to be so. There's there's no two ways about it. So you get ready for it. Be get prepared. It. Yeah, be prepared. There's going to be more of it. Go um, listen to the WannaCry podcast. Go listen to the ransomware podcast. Listen to any of the podcasts by Mark Jackson yeah. talking about security and pretty much the answer's all in there. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, no. So, so that 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 was a good that was a good fun one to do. Um, well, I say fun, but it, you know, you know, it's it was an interesting experience going through WannaCry, and and I think there's been some lessons learned, and hopefully they will uh, stop things like that happening in the future. Yeah. Um, what else is on the podcast for you? Obviously, all of the network intuitive launch was that a was big a big thing yeah. for you this year and i thought it's a big, big thing for cisco as well well it has been yeah because it was like we brought out uh you mean because the challenges for the network side of things is is how do you make the network more automated yeah take away human error take away uh the 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 need for the uh, the takeaway i can't remember i'm gonna I'll complexity like, complexity because mm-hmm. uh, the networks are complex complex they are. and they Absolutely. can do complex things but it's so hard to do that you don't mm. turn them on so you mm-hmm. don't turn on these features yeah so uh, automating all that sort of process is, and that's what's all part of the network intuitive launch yep. if you're interested go to cisco.com for that go for that network intuitive uh, but yeah, you, you know, it's all that and how you've automated that using software-defined ac- access to mm-hmm. segment the network, mm-hmm. uh, using DNA centers, the digital network architecture, architecture center, which is like the window to all uh, planning, policy, um, automation, and assurance. So, so we can actually tell how well your network is running in real time, how well your applications are running, mm-hmm. and it also will help to find out where the problems are for you and automate that process. So we've done loads in there. So they were good fun because I did three of them. Mm. I did one with Ivan Duggan, mm. uh, one with David Goff, and oh, did I do David Goff and Ivan at the same time? I think I did David and Ivan at the mm. same time. Mm. I then did one with Rob Price and Ollie Kenward. Um, happy 10th anniversary for Ollie Kenward. This is 10, 10 years at Cisco today. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, so we don't know what day we record it, but he's, yeah, by the time this goes out, it will yeah, have been. Be well, consider it's going to be the, the Christmas yeah. holiday special. <laughs> it's going to come out between Christmas and Christmas New Year. And New so Year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so he's, he's just done 10 years. So happy, cool. happy, uh, happy birthday happy. for Cisco, Ollie. Yeah. Uh, but that was really good as well. And, I, and, and, and Rob Price did a really good explanation of it, of it yeah. as well. So I thought that was really good. And uh, I did one with the SEs. So James, mm. uh, Harrop and Ben, that was very good as well. So mm. they, they went in a bit more into depth under the hood, mm. a bit more, bit and, more technical. And they were really popular downloads as well. We got sort of 700 plus downloads for each of those, which is a lot higher than our typical average. And, and of course, before you even point it out, I know I wasn't on any of them. I know. So and, and actually, our most popular podcast this year, you haven't been on. No, and the same for last year as well, which was uh, Software Defined Networking. And, version 1. Yeah. Version and we did one. Version 2. And that was lovely because that was like, I kept on comparing it to being an, in our time with uh, Alvin Bragg. <laughs> and because uh, it had such wise, wise men of Justin Rowling, Stevie Steve Kirk. Kirk. Oh, really great and then we had early in career Ben Brophy again oh, so awesome. Ben's been on twice as well this year cool. so uh, yeah and we're going to try and get him on another one about Vip Teller which yes. we're trying to get booked so you're, this is my commitment to you live on the show yeah. is get Adam, get Adam from Vip Teller on the show yeah if you're listening Adam which I suspect you're not but you, you better know. do. Yeah, we'll get, get you on him the show on. to come and talk about Viptella and all the cool That'll things we're awesome. doing in Software Defined One right so let's go to the interview then shall we Okay, um, so uh, on this interview we are joined by one of my colleagues uh, who's over in the UK from the US, uh, David Lapier. Welcome. Thanks, Mark. That's it's okay. nice to be here. Uh, no, not at all, not at all. So um, uh, today we're going to be talking about a subject that's been close to my heart for a long time uh, whilst at Cisco, which is a, a subject known as trustworthy systems. Now, a lot of our listeners probably probably haven't heard of trustworthy systems. I think it's Cisco's best kept secret. It's a mouthful to say. <laughs> it's also. also really hard to say, yeah. Um, so um, uh, can you, uh, well, firstly introduce where you sit within Cisco's okay. organization and then maybe give us a bit of a bit of a view of, of that trustworthy systems and what you, what you, okay. uh, your, how you define it. I'm a product manager in the enterprise networking team and I primarily work on operating system capabilities mm-hmm and emphasis being on uh, our built-in security and trust. The way I think of the vision is to uh, keep malware off of uh, network elements. Right, okay. So so we'll get more into that, because I okay. suspect there's a lot of people thinking, wow, malware on network devices? Never heard of that before. So we'll hold that thought and we'll get into that in a second. So. So trustworthy systems, as you say, it is a mouthful. I can hardly say it. Um, trustworthy systems is a, is an initiative that I know Cisco have been involved in for for many years. Probably right? yeah, about ten I think. About 10 they years. get going with um, the idea of having a core set of uh, requirements that every product would adhere to, both in terms of process and in terms of actual um, functionality. Sure. So, uh, for example, all. Uh, open source software needs to be registered, mm-hmm. and that way, if uh, a issue is found, uh, you know, a customer uh, found issue occurs in the in the in the world, we can trace that into our code base sure. and address it. So yeah. things about transparency and uh, and security aspects, our code of conduct, all of those kinds of capabilities would fall into what we would we consider as trustworthy systems as kind of a process level. Yeah, okay. And so from a, I guess, before we get into the detail and, and, and some of the motivations for trustworthy systems, can you give us a, a sort of 10,000 foot view of where this sits in the grand scheme of sort of network security? Yeah, okay. So it's 
So I guess the core thing is it's not a feature set. Sure. It's really really more of an architecture or a set of, uh, of practices. So a good way to organize is really in terms of three levels. Okay. Um, one, the, the base level, one can refer to kind of as corporate culture or a security culture where we have our secure development life cycle or we have our PCERT process for communicating um, uh, known issues about our product lines. So having a, a strong framework or a strong security culture upon which we can then build. Um, the middle layer addresses platform integrity. So uh, here is really the emphasis of what we want to sort of talk about now. And platform integrity is really about the built-in security of a device. Mm -hmm. So here's where having a secure boot process mm -hmm. would be a good example of a, of a function that would reside in, in product integrity. And, then, and that would be the area that most people wouldn't really think about much, mm -hmm. and that's what we want to talk about now. Mm -hmm. And then the top layer, you know, protecting the network, uh, is more the more traditional things that pretty much everyone listening to this will mm -hmm. know about and be dealing with, and you know here's where uh, services, uh, applications, uh, even uh, functions like um, uh, an IP source guard, you yeah. know, to protect against uh, man in the middle attacks or a firewall would reside. Sure. So we have a kind of a multi, uh, a holistic approach, mm -hmm. um, beginning with a as a base set of capabilities, a strong security culture, on top of that, a platform integrity as being a kind of the core capabilities that we're building into the product to make them more secure, really at foundational level, mm -hmm. and then the the protecting the network where all of the services would reside. So it's really a kind of a a de defense in depth type of approach or a holistic architectural approach is yeah. how we think of trustworthy systems. That yeah, because I guess we've seen, uh, if you look at the kind of classic endpoint, you know, Apple and Android and mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft and others, they, they've all spent a lot of time looking at how they harden their environments from yes. malicious software and so on. And so I guess this is really taking those similar ideas and concepts but applying them into network devices, which is probably an area that most of our customers probably have never even thought would be exposed to Right, you know, they would believe people. Right, a, a locked cabinet and employees, and you know, and a and a well trained uh, staff are the primary defenses. Good sure. management of passwords, yeah. um, lots of best practices around operations yeah. um, are the key. But the trend is there. Mm -hmm. The network itself is of is a is a greater concern. Sure, because the simple knock, I think, was probably the first time you'd seen in the public domain where somebody had modified an iOS image and, and had managed to effectively get that modified image onto a piece of Cisco hardware. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. well, and also uh, from the Snowden issues, challenges in the supply chain yeah. um, opened up the notion of a, of a, of a modified uh, yeah. you know, build yeah. being installed yeah. and then what happens with that modified build. And I think that's the thing that a lot of, I think a lot of customers, a lot of people listening to the podcast probably wouldn't, really think about the fact that their network device ultimately is just a general purpose computer really it, it, it's running specialized software but it's still got yes. a cpu and a memory and um, yeah exactly and it has a, it has an architecture like yeah. a computer and yeah. and um one can't hide behind um 
security and obscurity Absolutely. with uh, with the components that are built from yeah. you know open source or components that yeah. are well we have a lot of specialized hardware components mm-hmm. today's product line quite widely has capabilities to protect against those yeah. kinds of vulnerabilities so our modern products are better designed to address more mo- modern threats sure. and that's where the the journey around the trustworthy systems and the security culture that yeah. allows us to advance the product yeah. applies. Do you want to expand a little bit more on, on Secure Boot and some of the other technologies right. that are baked in? So we think about um, modified um, BIOS or runtime modification, mm-hmm. or rather modified BIOS or a modified operating system. Yeah. We want to protect against that so that mm-hmm. only genuine software can mm-hmm. run mm-hmm. on the product. Sure. And we want to verify that from the hardware itself. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we have the initial instruction set well protected in hardware uh, on the system itself. Mm-hmm. That initial instruction set loads the BIOS, Cisco often mm-hmm. refers to it as ROMON, mm-hmm. and verifies it from hardware, the, uh, checking signatures and hashes that that code is indeed um, as expected, and genuine Cisco code. Mm. And then we build a chain of trust, mm-hmm. which is a common kind of security notion from that hardware anchor. We build the chain of trust where we verify, where the hardware verifies the initial code, the initial code then verifies the operating system, and when the operating system is verified, we can then, we're then up and running. Mm. And if, uh, if it fails or modified, then it'll be kind of, depending on the product, it either stays kind of in a steady state or it, it, won't, it won't boot. And then we have um, measures in place now where we record those values uh, into um, a trusted place so that we can verify at a later time um, that indeed the product booted as expected. Yeah. So, so in effect then, so, so this is just to kind of, you know, I suppose summarize that point, you know, what we're saying is we're putting something something hardware into our into our devices mm-hmm. that will validate that the software that's running on it is authentic, is, is trusted, right. so that that threat of somebody injecting or, or installing a malicious software image onto that device is, is mitigated effectively. Right. Yeah. And then in a similar fashion then, after that valid software is installed, mm-hmm. we have um, the hardware anchor has an identity built into it, okay. and we can use that built-in hardware anchor identity um, to uh, verify that the hardware is genuine. The okay. software can then verify that the hardware is genuine, and then we're protecting against counterfeiting mm-hmm. or issues that would uh, uh, where the where the hardware itself may have been tampered with. So, yeah. if a customer buys a product that you know isn't genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be issues with what's installed on it or modifications made to it from a security point of view and also nobody really wants to get ripped off with with the lower quality equipment to address another customer challenge a lot of customers are interested in a low touch or zero touch provisioning and the risk there is it so you want to be able to install a device in say a branch or a coffee shop the risk is uh, of, a, of a spoofed device connecting to your network and then having an image installed is, uh, is, is a concern. So we can help assure that the device that's being attached in this zero-touch model um, is, is the device you expect it to be because it has in this trust anchor a, a um, 
the serial number in a certificate, an 802.1AR certificate. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the IEEE standard that defines a, a device identity. It's essentially, it's a PKI X509 cert mm -hmm. with a serial number signed by Cisco and the network element that the system that's installing this device can have a challenge and response to verify the identity of the device that's being attached. Yeah. So, that, so that, that's actually a really interesting point. It's effectively going to allow us to almost, you know, FedEx this box out. Exactly. All the shipping companies are, uh, are uh, available. Um, you know, FedEx this box out. Mm -hmm. Somebody literally could be a store manager, plug it in. Yep, and they may have it, a, a it has, they need to put an initial okay. um, config on it. Okay, yeah. And that'll, that just basically allows it to um, connect and call home. Sure. Uh, and But then its identity can be verified and it yeah. can be authorized sure. and the, its identity is verified in a strong way. Yeah. That's pretty cool, and I think there's a lot of customers out there that would see some benefit in that, yeah, especially those large. And using it, yeah, um, yeah. retail, um, yeah. any any yeah. place where there's a big, lot big of distributed, yeah, that, and that. even switching inside of campuses and so on. Okay, so this is you know this isn't just a feature. It isn't just a WAN yeah, feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so the secure boot, the trust anchor module, the sort of signing of our our mm -hmm. software is 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 really a key part of our. Uh, trustworthy systems initiative to kind of yes, defend against yes. a lot of those things. So there's another set of capabilities that we we've developed as well, which I know we we might get a little bit into the weeds. So we'll try and keep it keep it all right. I'm we'll a, call I'm them a, runtime defenses. Yeah, well, so that's you, a good way to talk about this at that <laughs> higher level. So uh, I think many many people have seen in the press and examples of uh, of code injection attacks, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, for example, uh, cross-site scripting is one mm -hmm. example, buffer overflows yeah. like the um, heart bleed yeah. attack is yeah. an example. I think WannaCry, which we had. Uh, yes, WannaCry is, UK, is exactly, um, buffer exactly yeah, um, yeah. different attacks against uh, voting machines and yeah. so on. So the whole notion here is that these are, there's some vulnerability that's found that allows for uh, a modification of the running code. Mm. We protect against these, and the idea is to mitigate these with a, with a set of best practices that are linked in hardware and software. Mm. Um, that, well, for example, and they're not, they're common and they're in use, say, for example, in embedded devices generally, but Cisco is kind of a leader in using these things in our network elements and on our network devices. And it's sort of validating input and, and all yes, those sorts of exactly. things. Yes, exactly. Input validation yeah, yeah. is the right description yeah, of what yeah. we're talking about yeah. here. And there's a whole suite of things. And again, I, I think for me, where I first started seeing this sort of thing within Cisco is that there, there was an awful lot of pain that the, the desktop manufacturers felt, mm -hmm. I guess, back in the early noughties where they were subject to sort of vulnerability after vulnerability mm -hmm. that were really simple buffer overflows. And so things like address-based layout randomization, data execution prevention, mm -hmm. these sort of development techniques became de facto in the way right. we were developing code. And I guess we're just taking those and... Well, and, and yeah. we began um, our journey uh, at that same time right. to start to implement these capabilities in yeah. our products. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to communicate um, their importance in our products yeah. um, because the, um, the nature of the change start landscape sure. uh, makes it necessary yeah. for, for customers to, you know, to think about the... Uh, the integrity of the platforms mm. and uh, protecting 
the devices themselves in addition to protecting the network. Yeah. So to build layers of defenses. Yeah. And um, we're focused on that and it's a important part of our what we're building into our products. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when you look at sort of the broader trend and then sort of taking it back up a little bit in terms of digitization that's happening across the globe, you know, what we're really saying I think with a lot of this is about trying to build that fundamentally secure and trustworthy foundation to support that digitization journey that a lot of our customers are on. Yeah, and I think you'll find analysts and lots of pundits that will say that uh, to achieve a, a digitization of your organization, you have to begin with, uh, with security in mind. So Cisco's doing that by building the network infrastructure components with built-in security sure. capabilities in mind. Yeah, yeah. So you talked, when we were talking a little bit about Secure Boot, um, about the fact that we're beginning to implement capabilities for customers kind of almost see what, you know, see if things have failed and, and understand whether things are broken, if they're potentially being targeted or, or something like that. Can you talk a little bit more about, about that? Right. I mean, you'll often uh, think of, people often think of uh, protect, mm -hmm. detect, and recover. Yep. So think of that kind of life cycle. And you can imagine these kinds of vulnerability, these kind, if, if an attack of this kind is successful, you can see it taking a significant amount of time to recover. Mm -hmm. So the idea is if we can put in a check engine light in the network management layer that will allow um, a network operator to um, monitor, um, maybe to audit, mm -hmm. to respond to um, concerns that there might be a threat, um, to give them a network-wide view of the integrity of their devices. Mm -hmm. So in the boot sequence, we can take those measurements we took, store them, and we have a feature called Boot Integrity Verification, mm -hmm. which um, stores the boot measurements in the... And then what the app does is essentially collects a database from manufacturing, Cisco manufacturing, of the expected values of these hashes. So if you're running... 1551S, you know, we know what values they're supposed to be there on a 3850. Yeah. Okay. So then we can compare. Mm -hmm. The application will compare for you and show that you're indeed, no one's modified the code sure. that you, you installed. Yeah. And similarly, we can expand that to look at um, the hardware inventory, you can look at the configuration. That is the config you expected. You can look at memory ranges uh, and uh, static files. So a bunch of different um, indicators of compromise are reported, essentially to augment a device's health with a uh, with a sense of its uh, of its trustworthiness. Sure, sure. And is are we are we binding or building that capability into any of our management platforms? Oh yeah. So yeah. right now it's available in uh, as a beta application with the APIKM 1.5, mm -hmm. so that anyone who uses APIKM 1.5 can use that. There are some examples we put up on our DevNet zone mm -hmm. of uh, with some uh, scripting that people can use to do the um, comparisons of the keys, and we'll be um, extending that and using that in the DNA center as part of the device 360. And we'll probably even tie it into um, what's called SWIM, you know, kind of a, so that way as when an image is installed yeah. uh, through uh, automated software management, 
We're also verifying its identity sure. at that time. Yeah. So these kinds of things, I think in the data center, customers are very interested, like you were saying about PCs and so on, the data center also, those kinds of um, oper people running data centers are very concerned with software integrity and so on. We want to make sure that the network is providing the same level of uh, trustworthiness. I guess first key point is all of these things are you know built into the new products so, and uh, you know available with the new products yeah. in their base form. Right. So we're not charging customers for them. We're not saying you got to pay extra for this. Correct. Right. right. And then the other thing too is that older equipment is uh, and and older systems are at greater risk mm -hmm. than the newest newer products are because. We're building our new products, uh, you know, with 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 these risks in mind, that, and they weren't there ten years ago. Sure. And then uh, also, their best practices. Of course, there are things customers can do uh, to better protect their command line and so on, because most of you know the risk is there. And so the secure secrets command, for example, yeah, yeah. Uh, protects the. The, the encryption of uh, password sure. in the uh, configuration area in a more secure manner. Yeah. So there are certain commands. Uh, Two-factor authentication is another thing that uh, you know is a, is worthwhile yeah. Yeah. for operators to, to yeah. look at going forward. Fantastic. Well, I think I think that's everything. So I just want to say. Thank you. Unless there's anything else you want to leave our listeners with? No, this has been really fun. I appreciate the opportunity, Mark, and not, uh, not glad to be able to help improve uh, the overall security posture of our customers' networks. And uh, welcome back. So, uh, we, that, you, do, you enjoy, do you enjoy doing that? Do you like I, doing it on your own? I, I, yeah, it was it was weird doing it on my own. I must admit. Um, it, yeah, it was kind of strange, but no, it was good. It was nice. It was free. It was. It was. It was. It was good. free. Well, you know, it was. It was up to liberating. Me to decide. Liberating. That's a good way to put it. Liberating. Very liberating. Um, no, it was good. It, I think it was a good conversation, and uh, I think it's one of those subjects that very few people really know about, which is why I was really keen to, good. to kind of expose it. So, right so what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk let's, about. Let's some... close off now then with this, the, the, the the third bit of the show. The so third bit of the show is uh, you want to talk about the, the, some some things that have stuck out for you in the recent press yeah i mean this is this is kind of a bit of a view back on 2017 just at a very high level that that i was thinking about and i think you know we've already talked about wanna cry and ransomware um there'll be no great surprise most of these are security um you know the other one that, that still sticks in my mind as i use an example is is something called the hajime botnet hajime uh, hajime um sounds like a Pokemon. It does sound like a Pokemon, and and having got a six-year-old who loves Pokemon, it definitely sounds like a po a, a Pokemon character. Um, but no, Hajime uh, is is kind of interesting. So so obviously a botnet, lots of control devices. You know, usually used for things like dis you know distributed denial of service attacks, these kind of things. Um, but Hajime is different in that it's a botnet that is not doing anything bad. Um, so it followed on from a botnet that was created called um, the Mirai botnet. And the Mirai botnet was built up from IoT type devices. So web cameras and all these kind of small internet connected devices, not terribly secure or not secured. Um, they were compromised because of you know, default credentials and these kind of things. And they were used to launch a massive denial of service attack against um, uh, various different targets in, in sort of late 2016, early 2017. And Following that, this Hajime botnet emerged. And what Hajime is, is it, it propagates in broadly the same way. So it, it kind of finds a target, compromises it using these default credentials, but then effectively patches it 
and, and sort of protects it from any further infection using that same technique. And in fact, I think the message that then gets popped up on the console of these devices is, you know, protected by your friendly white hat, you know, i.e. good guy in the hacking community, which is sort of interesting, you know. So, so there's a lot of speculation as to who's behind the Hajime botnet because it hasn't done anything yet. It looks as though it's sort of good. But so, the- so in, in, if I've got this right, yeah. you have some hackers who will hack some people's IoT equipment. Yeah which using default username and passwords yep. and then patches it and fixes it and then gives them a, 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 a sign or a message uh, saying we've fixed this for you. Yeah, but the, 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 the sort of kicker though is that the individual who sort of patches it has still got a footprint on that device, i.e. it's still under control of the botnet owner. So nobody really knows what's going to happen. Is it genuinely a good guy or girl um, doing this or, or is it somebody who's just biding their time for something else? Um Nobody really knows, but it was an interesting, interesting twist on the botnet development and, and using the same techniques that the bad guys are using to potentially make things better, which of course is all good. Um, so that was kind of an interesting thing for me to find out uh, over, over this year. Um, the other one was the story on uh, the artificial intelligence, the Facebook AI. Now, this was a bit sensationalized at the time. Um, so I think the, the story goes that, that Facebook set up two artificial intelligence or, or machine learning chatbots to talk to each other. And, and the sort of slightly sensationalized version of the story goes that they, you know, the Facebook engineers had to turn them off because they developed their own language and that scared everybody. And, and it isn't the, the rise of the machines. Rise of machines, you know, Terminator 1, 2, 3, 4, and I don't know, was there a 5 as well? Um, 2 was the best one. Uh, 2 was the best one, or oh, without doubt. Um, and uh, the reality was that, that they, yes, they did kind of develop. They, they, the language that they were using became non-human readable. Um, so the machine learning algorithms that were generating, that were, that were sort of learning from the chat coming back from the, the peer was evolving and learning. And what I read was that, in effect, it, it was still communicating, but it was communicating in a somewhat encoded fashion, which was no longer human readable. Um, and you know, in many respects, it was. They a bit created of a, their own language. They created their own language. They evolved their own language, and I, and I thought that was interesting, only because you know, there's that, you know, that whole machine learning, artificial intelligence thing has been. There's been a load about it in the press, you know, especially with people like Elon Musk and uh, and others sort of saying we really don't understand AI and it could be the real downfall. And, and well, it and, is. There's this film about it. Well, there is a film about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but but the the point is, is it, it does begin to bring bring to the forefront that idea that machine learning can go in directions that we don't necessarily always appreciate when we're or developing. Or understand. Or understand, because by definition, it's it's something that's being taught to do something different and, and adapt. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Because um, that's interesting, because also we, we there was a blog on Cisco uh, that I read, and it was talking about AI and yeah. what's people's opinions of it. And the, the, the couple of things that stuck out for me were... One was people are happy to do AI mm. for the, the jobs that they don't like doing. Yep. So, for example, booking meetings, taking mm. notes at meetings, things like that. Mm. Uh, the other one as well that stuck out for me from an AI perspective was the opinions of of uh, introverts versus ex- extroverts. Yeah. So extroverts are really happy with it yep. and think it's going to add value and more jobs will be created yeah. because of AI. And then introverts um, looked a bit more, more pessimistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's it's going to be an interesting tech to watch or an interesting space to watch because the other thing I, I was listening to, I was actually listening to another podcast the other day. I know. Traitor. And, but but what, they were interviewing a, a lady who had presented at various TED Talks and, and what she was, one of her big subjects was about um, bias. Mm. So how much either conscious or unconscious bias is being programmed into machine learning algorithms. So... You but know, the, but if the, does that come from the the coder though? Because the coder has a bias. Would that bias translate into potentially? The, yeah. Um, but also, how smart are you know the other the other? Because it's, it's a bias is fine if you're aware of it. If it's a conscious bias, you're aware of your aware biases of and yeah. you can do something about it. Yeah. So if you're coding and you're going, oh, I'm writing a bit of a bias here. Yeah. I'm aware of it. I yeah. need to change it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if your unconscious bias goes there and going, yeah, all but, security is boring, then. But, yeah, but it, but if that if that machine learning algorithm is steering you, so so the examples they were talking about was things like steering you towards content and content um, collation effectively. So if you're being, you know, we all, we all know we get this kind of curated content delivered to us, whether that's through news readers or through you know kind of YouTube and video. You know, we we click on a link to watch a video and then we suddenly see a million more cat videos, and you know. Whatever, whatever it is we've chosen, we get more of because the machine learning algorithm that sits behind that thinks, well, right, Justin likes cat videos, so we'll go and show him a load more cat videos. But um, that's just sort of marketing looking at your your um, your cookies, isn't it? Well, it, it, it's not just cookies, but it's also your preferences over time. And you get it with music and all the, all the kind of music streaming services. The interesting but thing I've got, because yeah. I've now got a, a um, AI in the house now, one of those AI speakers. I'm not trying to be too blatantly... Oh, have, you, have you got the one from... Okay, yeah yeah yeah, 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 that one. Alexa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can't say the company, but we can call her, give her a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll give her a name. And, and, and I've, got, I've got one of them now. I, I, and, um, and the worst thing is, it's, it's being used. And it's mainly for music. For me, yeah. I walk in the morning, I'm boiling the kettle. I'll, yeah. I'll say, turn the, turn the, uh, turn, yeah. turn turn the radio light. on. Yeah. Turn the radio on. Um, we've, we've used it a little bit to say turn the heating down but because we put it in the kitchen we don't tend to sit in the kitchen when we're, yeah, when you're we're using the, it yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah it's interesting yeah it's interesting and you end up having conversations with it it's yeah. a bit weird well I do because nobody else talks to me <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so that, that was so, so AI machine learning I think there's a lot of hype around it uh, I think it's kind of going to be an interesting one to watch for next year and see where it develops into but I think there'll be a lot of interesting useful business things fall out of the, the hype no, oh, very good. Gone. And you were talking about supply chain attacks. And, yeah. and when I thought of supply chain, going, what's that to do with like, like um, delivery? <laughs> will it? Will it kind of be supply yeah, I mean, chain attacks on my delivery of goods? Not, not, not hacking, that kind of supply hacking chain. the PDA that's used to, to to make sure it gets all the nice goods get delivered to my house, yeah. not somebody yeah, else's. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Um, but they're tracking no. it and they know where all the goods are. Yeah. No, but mind. this was this was looking at your kind of software supply chain. So there were two big examples of this in 2017. But that's there the Petcher one though, or not Petcher, isn't it? Because that, yeah. that, that got into the software. That, that was in Medoc or Medoc, Medoc uh, yeah. which was a piece of software, a Ukrainian software um, that was used by, uh, I think it was a, ta- it was a taxation or accounting software. Yeah, it was a finance, software, accounting yeah. software, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, and in effect, the attackers managed to get into the software update. So, so the that's supply that, chain. So supply chain, so that's... Yeah. The malware was propagated through the legitimate software update mechanism that the software was using, which is which is relative. You know, it, it, as a concept, it's been out there for a long time. But, but how do you of, spot that then? How do you spot that? Well, you know, you make sure you secure that infrastructure because that is the crown jewels. If that gets, you know, so in terms of how you spot it, you know, oftentimes it's going to be when it lands. So somebody you can you'd have to through through the normal methods of of seeing all right somebody. 
It's all of the things. Go back yeah, and look behavior. at our run. Yeah, look at our, our, our Wanna Cry and yeah. Ransomware podcast. And the Ransomware oh, and the oh. Incident Response podcast. Yeah, yeah. go and have a listen to them because the answers are all there. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, there is no one simple answer for some of the pod, you know, for some of the uh, the, the supply chain stuff. Um, but that was one. And then the other one was CC Cleaner, which is a, uh, a piece of software for, um, uh, for desktop machines that basically clears out all the, you know, cookies and other nonsense that kind of gets built up over time and takes up loads of hard disk space. Um, and CC Cleaner is a little utility that goes and clears up all of that. You know all all of that rubbish, um, and the bad guys managed to get into well into the development environment in in the in the sense that they they dropped malware into the into the installer effectively. Um, so again, you know the the user was downloading what they thought was a completely legitimate application. It was cryptographically signed, so it was trusted by the operating system and so on and so forth. But actually, inside the payload was the software you were downloading, but malware as well. Wow. So they got into the dev environment of that. So even the certificates and everything like that. Would... It was signed. It was it was within the package. So, you know, it wasn't something that came alongside it. You didn't have to click on it to download it separately. It was literally in that binary installer. So it was almost at source, which is which is uh, which is kind of interesting. And again, another route in because you know you exploit that trusted relationship and and mm. you know you're in so that was that was something that talos actually found um our own security research organization found this year um so yeah supply chain attacks i think were kind of interesting and of course you know continued big data breaches you know with with uber uh with about 50 odd million records being breached and and of course equifax with 100 and 40 plus million records breached um and that's going to get even worse now because we did the gdpr one didn't yeah, we we did and uh that sort of goes into there as well so come yeah. next year you've yeah got, you've got you've got to as soon as you found out you've got to yeah. tell everybody yeah you've got to tell everybody and if you don't you're gonna get fine and of course the uber one the, the interesting one about the uber one was they they actually kept it quiet for quite a number of weeks months um, because they paid the bad guys about a hundred thousand dollars, it's it's reported to uh, to not release the data that they had stolen from Uber. So they, the bad guys stole about fifty three million records of drivers and and some I think rider data, um, and basically said, look, give us a hundred thousand dollars and we won't release it. And I think Uber paid up. Um, and it was only when a new chief executive came in a few weeks ago um, that he felt that probably wasn't something we ought to keep quiet and, and essentially exposed it um, okay. to say we did this um mm. so that was kind of interesting but it, you know again it, you know the the are, are breaches unusual no not really you know they're, they're continuing to happen um but they're they sort of feel like they're getting bigger and more regular um is that a trend that we're are they just see? getting the, is they just getting the market used to it before gdpr comes in and then everyone goes oh do you know what it yeah. just becomes commonplace and then yeah. it just becomes old news that's 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 the worst bit that, which is not a great place to be, right? You know, no, seeing, because seeing everyone massive tech breaches. Yeah. So, uh, so no. So, there's a few, a few interesting highlights from a security perspective for me for 2017. But uh, it is going to be interesting to see how 2018 shapes up in this in this. It does. Mm. It does. Thanks, John. I'm done on security. Yeah, You're yeah. Done. I'm, Again, is done. Yeah. God, you're never done on security. Never. Uh, great, mate. Thanks very much, Mark, for no, this year. Thank you. Thanks it's for co-hosting. It's been good fun. It's been good fun. And uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. Mm. Uh, for all those regulars and the shout out to Faisal, James, Richard, Barry, uh, as well for for getting in touch with the show or at least coming up and saying hello. Yeah, which is lovely. It makes my day. Uh, if you've got feedback, please like the podcast. Please feedback on the podcast for iTunes as well. Um, 
because it'd be lovely to to uh, to get your thoughts and obviously mm. see how well the podcast is doing. Um, thanks very much. I hope you all had a a wonderful uh, 2017 and have a wonderful 2018. And may uh, you all your wishes come true. There you go. And may all your dreams be white. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> jingle bells, everyone. Yeah, jingle bells. Mm-hmm.